Putin killed Navalny. Let's be crystal clear about that. They had him in solitary confinement, and today he is dead. Putin killed Navalny. And why? Because Putin is weak. You don't kill people if you're strong. Putin killed Navalny because Navalny was the one opposition leader in Russia that Putin feared the most. That was Michael McFall. He's a friend of Alexei Navalny's and the former U.S. ambassador to Russia from 2012 to 2024. Breaking news coming this morning that Russia's Alexei Navalny dead at 47. He was Vladimir Putin's a foremost domestic critic. He had been held in a series of prisons in recent years over various charges and reasons that are broadly seen to be trumped up, basically to criminalize dissent and to criminalize opposition politics. Now, the news that he has uh, died in prison comes out just today, and they say that he had been out for a walk and he had felt unwell and then lost consciousness after that walk. Medical staff called, were unable to resuscitate him, and that they do not know the reason of death, and that Russia's investigative committee has launched a procedural probe into his death. Navalny had had, uh, been engaged in a lot of work to expose corruption in Russia. Now, the state-controlled television channels in Russia had ignored Navalny, clearly someone to not be talked about, but he got a lot of attention on YouTube videos, social media posts, being off the grid. He did a lot of investigations into sketchy contracts and luxurious lifestyles of officials, basically saying, look, we got a lot of corruption going on here. He had previously run for office, and we know that politics is pretty tightly controlled there, but he had done well in in some uh, races. He placed second in the race for Moscow mayor in 2013, placing second behind the Putin-backed candidate. He tried to be on the presidential ballot in 2018, but he was not allowed on it. Russian authorities denied him that, and critics say, well, that's because it was politically motivated. He should have been on the ballot and now, Alexei Navalny is dead. Joining us for his reaction on this, what it all means, Marcus Kolga. He's the senior fellow at McDonald Laurier Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad. Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. What was your immediate reaction to this news? Uh, well, it, uh, it was a terrible feeling in the pit of my stomach. Um, you know, I've been working with and advocating for the the Russian opposition and human rights activists, anti-corruption activists for the past uh, 15 years. Um, I've gone through this before. Um, the opposition has gone through this before. Uh, you know, there have been a, a string of assassinations, poisonings, uh, starting with, you know, in, back in 2015. It wasn't the first one, but Boris Nemtsov, who was at right. that point the most credible opposition leader, gunned down in front of the Kremlin. A few months later, his... Uh, his protege and also an opposition figure, Vladimir Karamurza, was poisoned in 2015, again in 2017, and, and of course Navalny in, in 2020. Um, and so, you know, this is, a, this is just a, a, another step in uh, Vladimir's Putin, Vladimir Putin's attempts to uh, repress, repress all political dissent uh, in Russia. But yeah, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blow, I think, to the, to the uh, severe blow to the Russian opposition. And uh, anyone who uh, supports those opposition leaders abroad. Will this put a major chill on opposition or will this only ignite the passions further? Because we see those video clips of Alexei Navalny going down the streets of different Russian cities and, and he does get some crowds turning out for him. I mean, he, he does have popularity. 
Yeah, well, let's not forget that uh, in 2021, when he decided to return to Russia, I mean, it was a certainty that he would be arrested in uh, January of 2021. Um, When he was arrested, uh, tens of thousands of Russians took to the streets, and not just Moscow and St. Petersburg, um, throughout the regions in in, you know, the remote Far East, uh, uh, young Russians, uh, teenagers and the elderly all took to the streets um, and they faced violent repression by, by, the, by the Putin regime. Uh, but uh, he was very popular uh, because of his ability um, to expose that corruption within, within the Putin regime, but also uh, amongst politicians in, uh, in the regions across Russia. So he, he was very popular and we'll have to see whether... Um, you know, those same people do come out to the streets. But um, ever since uh, Navalny returned, that repression, uh, the screws have been tightened by the Putin regime. All free expression, free media has been completely shut down. It's been outlawed. Um, and uh, any dissenters, uh, those who are opposed to the war, who are critical of the war, who are critical of the regime, uh, face uh, face arrest, jail time, uh, and sometimes even worse. So, um, it'll be, uh, I think the Western world should be watching very closely as to what happens on the streets of Moscow and St. Petersburg and other Ru- Russian cities tonight. We're joined now by Marcus Kolga, Senior Fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Marcus, is there other prominent opposition figures in Russia who are going to take up the flame now? Are, are there other similar people to Alexei Navalny that we're going to see them surge ahead now, or, or is this kind of really... Uh, putting out one of the main flames in this movement? Well, it's, it's a major flame that's being snuffed out. Um, uh, I mean, there are others, uh, but most of the opposition has either been uh, detained, jailed, assassinated, or abroad. Um, Vladimir Karamorza, uh, who is one of the most prominent remaining opposition leaders, he was sentenced to 25 years uh, in prison just early, uh, late last year. Uh, he's spent the past four months in solitary confinement and will be spending another three months in solitary confinement. Uh, another prominent uh, opposition leader is, of course, Gary Kasparov. But uh, right. the problem, his problem is that he's not in Russia uh, and he's, he's, he's still advocating, he's still doing that work outside of Russia. But because uh, Vladimir Putin has completely closed off uh, the Russian media environment, it's impossible for Gary and his colleagues to get their message into uh, Russia right now. So it's right now it's, it's very hard to see, um, you know, how the opposition might move forward. Uh, but there was, you know, one point that I do want to bring up is that Mikhail Khodorkovsky, who's also uh, an opposition leader, a former oligarch, who was, of course, imprisoned by Putin for 13 years uh, in the two, early 2000s, um, he said that the, uh, the opportunity for a democratic change in Russia is now pretty much over. Um, and that the only way that change is going to come to Russia now is through probably through violence and a violent change in government. So, you know, I, I think that's where we're at. That's where things are headed at this point. The repression is so tight. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's, there's not much hope for a democratic change, certainly not in the presidential elections that are coming up next month. We obviously talked about sanctions against Russia for things related to the invasion of Ukraine. Do you anticipate any sort of repercussions for the the killing of an opposition leader? Is this just really considered, you know, opposition politics, domestic politics? I know we're, we're hearing public responses from politicians all across the West world condemning this, but I mean, will there be anything beyond, you know, disapproving tweets? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've, unfortunately, I think I've become a little bit cynical because I, 
in 2015 right. when my friend Nemtsov, Boris Nemtsov, was shot. I was expecting some consequences, some costs then, and, and nothing happened. And, and with all the other poisonings and assassinations, there's, you know, there's always uh, rhetoric, but um, there's never too much action. You know, I think one place where the Western Western governments, including Canada, can help is by by supporting the opposition, by supporting Russian civil society, especially those in exile, making sure that they have the tools so that when that time does come, when there is change in Russia, that they're prepared to take over um, and uh, really transform Russia into the uh, the democratic state it, it should have uh, be, become in the in the 1990s, but was derailed by. Vladimir Putin and his KGB uh, colleagues. And so, uh, you know, that's one way we can do it. But I, I don't expect that, uh, you know, there will be uh, too much in ways of any significant consequences or costs by, by Western governments, but, but just a lot of rhetoric. Marcus Kolga, founder of DisinfoWatch and senior fellow at McDonald Laurie Institute. Thanks for stopping by, as always. Anytime. Have a good day. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, Anthony.